0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and
1: WNBF.com. Where news breaks
2: first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. A winter weather advisory remains in effect until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Plan on slippery road conditions. Governor Kathy Hochul is urging New Yorkers to remain prepared as this large storm system is expected to cause power outages throughout much of the state and create difficult travel conditions in some locations during the morning commute. Due to the severity of the winter storm, PennDOT has temporarily reduced the speed limit on several roadways in the region. Vandapo was urging motorists to avoid unnecessary travel, but those who must head out will see speeds reduced to 45 miles per hour on portions of Interstate 81, 84, and 380. A resident of a Binghamton home died as a result of a fast-moving late-night fire that also injured a city firefighter. Authorities said the blaze at 74 Colfax Avenue in the First Ward was reported around 11.30 p.m. on Friday. Several people called 911 after the fire broke out in the single-family house. The first police officers in the scene reported flames were shooting from the front of the structure. By the time firefighters arrived, the blaze had spread to a neighboring house at 74 Colfax Avenue. It also was engulfed in a pickup truck that was parked between the two homes. A second alarm was called minutes later as people at the scene advised firefighters' residents were trapped inside 72 Colfax Avenue. Firefighters found one person on the first floor near the rear of the house. Paramedics provided initial treatment at the scene before the person was taken by ambulance to Wilson Hospital. The person whose name was not released by the fire department was pronounced dead. A firefighter fell over five feet while working to battle the blaze. The firefighter, who was not identified, was transported to Wilson for treatment. No congestion report was released. The blaze is being investigated by the Binghamton police and fire departments. An abandoned electricity and steam-generating facility in Binghamton's first ward could be repurposed in the future. The cogeneration plant at 22 Charles Street was built by Anatech Image Corporation to provide power for its massive manufacturing complex. Natural gas was the primary fuel it used, although it sometimes was powered by oil that was stored at the site. A California-based company acquired the facility in 2012 to generate power only at times of peak demand. Wellhead Electric pulled the plug on the plant after losing millions of dollars on the venture. The city of Binghamton took possession of the property when Wellhead donated it after removing the usable generating equipment from the building. Mayor Jared Graham told WNBF News that because of new state regulations, the complex could never again be used as a natural gas field generating plant. Graham said the city has obtained a grant through the State Energy Research and Development Authority to study potential reuse of the site. New York State environmental teams are continuing to monitor and treat contaminated groundwater at an abandoned industrial site near the former IBM Manufacturing Complex. Employees of the Department of Environmental Conservation have been working at the old Endicott Forging and Manufacturing Company property in recent days. The site is located at North Street and Hayes Avenue just east of the Huron campus. The century-old business shut down after a raging fire in February 2000. Endicott Forging went bankrupt after the devastating blaze. The fire wrecked facility was demolished nearly nine years later. According to the DEC, records indicate there were many petroleum spills at the site during the year Endicott Forging operated there. At one point, more than 115,000 gallons of oil was stored in the property. The state agency began investigating the site in 2003. Petroleum-contaminated soil was removed from the property as part of the pollution investigation. Groundwater monitoring wells were installed in an effort to determine the extent of the contamination. Recovery wells were put in to contain and clean up oil in the groundwater. Those wells and the treatment system remain active. Two years ago, DEC hired an engineering company to conduct further studies to determine whether more action was needed to deal with the tainted site. An investigation revealed the oil-contaminated soil remains between 6 and 18 feet below the ground surface. These studies determined the oil apparently is naturally degrading. DEC sampling from off-site monitoring wells over the past year indicate the spilled oil is not migrating off the Endicott forging property. And a man arrested for firing gunshots outside a Jewish temple in upstate New York have been federally charged. An FBI spokesperson said Mufid Fawaz Al-Qadar has been charged with possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. Officials say he fired two shots inside a synagogue in Albany on Thursday. The episode in New York's capital happened on the first night of Hanukkah amid rising fears of anti-Semitism worldwide and fallout from Israel's intensifying war in Gaza. Albany Police Chief Eric Hawkins said the man suspected of firing gunshots said free Palestine when officers arrested him. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
1: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW.
3: Bob Chilson. This is Binghamton now, Monday, December 11th, 2023. 8607-772-1290 8607 is the Binghamton Now number. Do you have something to say? Go ahead. Say it. On this Monday morning. Directly to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
4: Uh, John the uh, news Stringer from Binghamton.
3: Yeah, What happened over the weekend?
4: Well, uh, I don't know if it precisely happened over the weekend. Uh, It appeared to me over the weekend. Uh, How about that? Uh, The Vestal town attorney, David Berger, has submitted his resignation, uh, coincidentally, after the uh, comptroller of New York (laughs) critiqued uh, this 200 and... 50000 plus payment to the former chief butler.
3: All right. And did he say why he's quitting?
4: No, but uh, uh, he was part and parcel of that deal. You know, if you go back, Bob, and let me give you my opinion, this was nothing more than an unsophisticated embezzlement uh, of town funds. Uh, clothed in, uh, in, in a settlement agreement. Uh, you know, if you walked into any mi- municipality, even if you had a valid claim, uh, they would ask you to submit uh, a... Uh, you would have to submit the timely notice of claim to the municipality. Uh, then you'd have to, to sue. Uh, all that should have been in public. If you, if you look at Vestal history... Police chief to police chief. How about uh, Ken Rounds? How about that one? Uh, that was all open in the public. Uh, you know, there was no, uh, there was no secret settlement. Uh, $100,000 in, in legal costs there, but everything was out in the open. So uh, everybody knew this was a fraud. Now, let me say one thing about Tom no- DiNopoli, who you know. I've met several times, very, very nice fellow. I've corresponded with him on occasion. Uh, His expertise is not in the area of law, so when when he says it was legal, uh, that has to be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, You know, uh, who knows where uh, that money went and exactly... uh, no law enforcement official, none, in Broome County in the last 20 years has ever received any kind of payment like that.
3: You get to our knowledge, days. well, to our yeah, knowledge, right.
4: yeah. Well, I
3: mean, you know, yeah. you, you, well, to make well, a declarative me... statement like that, I mean, it may be true. But then again, I'll just assert for the record, we don't know what we don't know. Continue.
4: Right. Well, uh. You know, as in the Rounds case, there were people within the department and people on the town board that wanted Ken Rounds out. This was, I mean, uh, uh, Butler wasn't fighting to stay. Butler just wanted money. Uh, and he got it. He got a lot of it. He got it from the taxpayers. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I i think thats that's why... Uh, Dave Berger resigned. He didn't want to answer anymore. No. Yeah.
5: Well,
3: it was probably going to get starting in January. It's probably going to be unpleasant for him. So I, don't, I don't know that I would would uh, blame him for wanting to excuse himself from town business at this point.
4: Uh, now, to me, it would do no harm to make a request that federal authorities investigate this. It. Whether or not they do, they investigate all kinds of
3: things. They do, but I doubt they, this is, because the bar would have to be pretty, I mean, the bar is high before the federal government actually would investigate. I'm not saying they can't or shouldn't, but look at all the stuff they need to investigate. They've got bigger fish to fry, I think.
6: Well, I'm going to file a FOIL request with, the controller. now. The
4: controller must have some documents he's basing his opinion on, and if they're government records, I I don't think. I mean, if if they if they were sort of classified by the town of Vestal, and he has these documents, or he has interviewed somebody,
3: certainly that would uh, be uh, be public knowledge. Well, theoretically, they could yeah. re- wind up releasing a lot of stuff, and then you note know yeah. that certain the most critical things are are redacted i mean yeah you know what can you do then i mean you can yeah, always appeal but- and say gee you gave me a lot of documents i i'm just amazed at how often um when there finally is a response to a, a public document request that information is uh the the stuff that really is relevant to whatever you're interested in is is redacted i I always wonder who exactly they're protecting. They're certainly, in a lot of cases, not protecting taxpayers. Uh,
4: No, no, they're not. And, uh, Bob, uh, two quick ones. Uh, One I found out about by uh, a source, but I I confirmed it on the change.org
5: petition uh, Internet uh, site.
4: Uh, Apparently... Uh, there's a resource officer. He's been written up as a hero, Mark Ayers. Channel 40 did a story on how he saved a student's a mother uh, by uh, getting, having the student get her to the hospital because she was having a stroke. I, I guess he's been there for more than a few years, and uh, everybody in Windsor loves the guy. Uh, so Battisti goes down to the uh, Windsor and is going to interview candidates for his uh, resource officer force and uh, said that heirs wouldn't be part of the picture in 2024. So this petition, the last time I checked last night, had 499 signatures, which is a lot of signatures for Tom (laughs) Windsor, Uh, you know, and uh, demanding that uh, uh, the School board and the superintendent take action and keep Mark Ayers. So, and uh, I might add here as a note that uh, there some, was something called a task force that Fred Akshar served on for years, and uh, Mark Ayers was there on uh, the task force with Fred Akshar, and he made no uh, bones about not supporting Batisti. So, this isn't the. This is a political vendetta and it has nothing to do with how well uh, Mark Ayers has done the job. Uh, and I think we're in for more of this as the criminal justice system is consolidated under one man and a district compliant, friendly district attorney. So uh, that's something to keep your eye on. But that's the. I understand there's a school board meeting down there in Windsor. In,
3: on Tuesday. All right. Well, maybe uh, the TV stations will send some correspondence out there to cover that and see what the uh, the school board decides. Thank you, John. It's 919 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. We're on air at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM online at WNBF.com. And stay connected using the Enormously popular WNBF app. News Radio
5: 1290
3: WNBF. It's 923 Monday morning live Binghamton now. I'm Bob Joseph. Bonnie in Binghamton. You're on the air.
7: Good morning, Bob. Morning. Bob, last week I heard um, the mayor talking, Mayor Cram, talking about um, downtown Binghamton and um, some of the activities that he's put together, like police walking downtown, and people were feeling safer about the downtown. So I thought, well, Friday night I thought, well, maybe I'll take a trip down to Boscoff just to see... Um, and to purchase an item is actually I went down to purchase an item at Boscoff's and I came in and out of the main door court and water Street door, the main door and my husband because we couldn 't find any um parking, my husband had to circle the block along with a train of other cars looking for parking spaces and which he never found by the way, but I want to say that when I purchased the item, I spoke to the clerk um and I'm not going to tell you who her name was, but um, she indicated, she asked if I wanted a credit card application. I said no because parking was too difficult. And she said, I don't blame you, but that isn't even the issue. Um, I came out of the main door uh, at the corner of Court and Water, and I stood there because my husband was circling the block. I was approached by three beggars um, and a fourth person. Now, I didn't feel safe enough to open my wallet. I'm normally a very given person. The lighting was so bad. There was no lights at the main entrance of Boscoff. And the fourth person that approached me indicated to me, um, and I felt threatened, that it was awful dark outside, Grandma, is what he said to me. And um, I didn't feel safe at all. In fact, it it completely ruined... um, my desire ever to go to Boscoff again. But um, I was happy when my husband pulled up because then I could jump right in the car and he was there to protect me if I needed protection. So I saw no police. And like I said, the lighting was terrible. And it was busy down there. It was very busy down there. But still, there's no lighting. And especially at that main intro, uh, that main uh, entrance to the Boscoff area, Now, I grew up in Owego and came to Binghamton in the the 80s, and I spent a lot of time down there shopping, downtown Binghamton shopping. Never have I felt so unsafe and so um, distraught over the condition of the downtown area. And the final thought is when I left there, when we left, he picked me up, we left, we circled the block, and the Metro Center was absolutely empty. It is beyond my belief that they can't open that during the Christmas season so that people can utilize that lot so that, you know, if we had a fire, the Water Street was so packed and so tight, there's no way a fire truck could have gotten through there. It was just unbelievably packed. So I wanted to share my experience because I don't think the mayor is doing enough.
3: All right. Well, I don't know if he's listening, but somebody at City Hall is always listening, so he'll uh one way or the other he'll get the um word directly or indirectly about your thoughts, so I appreciate your weighing in okay bob
7: thanks. thank you have a good day
3: thanks nine twenty seven at w n b f sam in endicott good morning
6: good morning bob and how are you today i'm well how are you good i just wanted to call in uh Remind everyone about the beautiful light show at Ottenango Park. We took our granddaughters on Saturday. Um, It was really fantastic. Uh, There are so many lights. It almost looks like double what they were last year. Um, You know, it's sponsored by the Speedy Fest, really led by Anthony Paniccia with Delta Engineers and, you know, Dave Bissagno, and you get Robin Alpaw there um volunteering his time it was just um an enjoyable evening i tell you we went around a couple times my granddaughter got out um they had a great santa claus that the the youngsters could talk to if they wanted to and then after that we went over to recreation park now i'm sure the weather helped but they had the carousel running um music playing they had rides um and there were so many people there, we were actually wrapped around the carousel in a line to get in. So, uh, there are a lot of nice things going on for the holiday season. And I just wanted to remind everybody about that, that it's, uh, it's, it's just really nice. It's really nice to get out and see people and, uh, enjoy the holidays.
3: Well, I went over to, uh, Otz park on Saturday. We, we had, um, Late dinner reservations, so we're thinking, so we're calculating. Can we get to our dinner place, the restaurant that is willing to serve radio people, and there aren't many left? Um, but we had late dinner reservations for 7:45, and then we're looking at the traffic, the logistics, because a lot of people had the same idea Saturday night. I think around six or 6:15. To uh, check out the holiday lights, and we decided eh, that would be cutting it too close. So we did. We uh, went around the traffic because a lot of people were coming from all directions to enter Otzenengo Park. And we had dinner, and then after dinner, we went and checked out the lights, which actually is better because by then. Um, there were still people going through, but not, not the big crowds that there were earlier in the evening. And I, I have to admit, I was very, very impressed with this year's light display. It was beautiful, beautiful. The only thing yeah. they didn't have, I thought they should have set up a stand where they would be selling um, $20 lamb speedy subs. <laughs> you know, that was the only thing well, that was sorry. missing.
6: Well, sorry about that, but they did have, what, the Pinkies Barbecue <laughs> they um, did. selling food. So, I mean, there's, you know, when you look around and you see uh, not only the beautiful lights, but you really see where this community's blessed. There's so many uh, signs up of all the uh, sponsors that yeah. help make this possible. So it's, um, it's just a reminder for people to get out, enjoy the weather, enjoy the holidays, and there are a lot of fun, nice things to do.
3: And about Recreation Park, I went there on Friday morning before I came here to do the radio program and and talked with some of the uh, couple of the city employees, because they uh, go there every, I don't know if they, if it's seven days a week, probably at least on weekday mornings, maybe there's somebody who goes there on weekends too, and they were working on the, the ice rink, and they had told me that the previous weekend, the previous Saturday, they had... I think more than 900 people showed up for the uh, festivities at the park, with uh, the carousel and the skating and all the uh, holiday-related things. And they they knew this past Saturday was going to be a big day, since the weather was going to be mild, and uh, it was just nice to see that that rec park is um, being utilized by, by a lot of people from binghamton and from the surrounding communities i'm sure a lot of people from around the triple cities had a chance to stop by this past weekend so yes there there are a lot of great things going on during the holiday season and i strongly encourage people to um, participate enjoy enjoy and get out right absolutely thank you for calling in i hope you have a great week you too now bob
6: you take care
3: Thanks. It's 9.32. This is Bob Joseph. Yes. Not AI. Not uh, via satellite. Don't voice track this. It's not a program. I know some people say, well, you know, with technology now, you could do your show from Florida. Why don't you do it from the villages? You could just, you know, wake up every morning at about 8.40, read the big, thick, juicy villages newspaper, and then from 9 to noon, do your program without telling anyone that you're actually down in Florida and you could finesse it that way. That's what some radio people do. Why not Why not do a virtual program and, and pretend that you're a person who likes Binghamton? It's like, why pretend? I love Binghamton. That's why I go to Wreck Park. That's why I was out on the parkway today. You know, asking questions, taking pictures, getting names, gleaning the information that could be important for future stories. We never know. We've got a few good stories in the pipeline for this week. Never know what stories we're going to cover between now and Friday afternoon. It's always interesting. Don't worry. I'll get as much information as possible so we can pass it along to people here in the Binghamton area 607-772-1290 that's our number good morning today is Monday this is Binghamton now at WNBF to Vestal we go and Andy good morning
8: hey hey, good morning Bob hey I wanted to uh, you know follow up on that lady with um, the Bosco's um, um, issue and I agree with her 100% you know she uh, uh, where you where I where I understand about feeling threatened uh, being downtown Um, but I want to change the subject just uh, you know but it it follows on on onto something like that um I've always I've always been complaining about even when I was a merchant in Binghamton, which I'm not anymore, um, but the just the cleanliness of the area, you know, I mean the amount of litter in in our in in our Broome County, or especially in our Binghamton, John City Endicott area where you know, we're supposed to be you know, where we're trying to uh, attract people to come stay you know quality of life, whatever. I think it started, I think it's, it's it really starts with a with a mindset of you know you, uh, of just keeping keeping facades clean and you know let it, litter free. I always feel like I always feel like when people come visit the area they were the poor they were the poor relatives that they say gee, I'm so I feel so sorry for you. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I like living in Vestal, you know, personally, uh, for, you know, for, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to our new administration in January. Um, and I think a lot of other people will when they, when things get going, but I think there's a lot of things that, that I think we need a lot more, not money so much as sweat equity, um, put in, you know, into our area. Uh, it's amazing, but, uh, Uh, What uh, uh, like clean, you know, litter-free grounds and uh, just buildings that look like they're that they're kept up uh, makes a real big difference um, for you know just quality of life. I think, or at least appears to be uh, to make people feel better. You know, just just a thought.
9: No,
3: it's true. It's true, and I know some people who call into the program are disappointed or disgusted sometimes with the level of trash downtown and sometimes suggest it's maybe the city's fault. Well, it's not, it's not the mayor or the police chief or the parks commissioner or the fire chief that are uh, trashing uh, the city downtown. There, there are a lot of people who apparently... Uh, treat downtown as just a dumping ground and people have to people of all ages have to start to show a little more respect for the community and for their neighbors and um, if you're downtown take care of your trash if you bring something in then take it out or at least put it in the right kind of trash receptacle and don't don't turn downtown binghamton into uh, uh, a, a place that is uninviting it's not just Binghamton; it, it's other areas. Oh yeah, I'm not I'm not singling out Binghamton, but yeah, you could point to uh, some places in Vestal, Endicott, Johnson City, and Endwell. Yes, people in general, and not everybody, it doesn't doesn't take many people to um, make an otherwise um, decent business area or residential area look bad.
8: So, I mean, just I don't know, it, it, it's, you know, I, I think it starts on a small basis. It's going to be a lot, and I know in bustle we're, we're going to be focusing in on many different things. My thing is going to be reaching out to small businesses in the town of Vestal. That's one of my volunteer jobs that I'll be doing, after, after, you know, after January 1, you know, and I think and I think it's, and I love this, you know, and then I think, you know, the, just, just the, you know, keeping the area clean, Um, it's, there are contributions, you know, more, more, more hands, less work, you know, and ever, if everyone's on the same, uh, same page, it's amazing what you can do.
3: I agree. Um, I
8: agree. Everybody. that's that's, That's my comments for the day. All
3: right. Everyone can make a difference in my opinion. Yeah. Try to pitch in. Try not to. Contribute to the problem With trash or whatever If you can make some place look a little bit better Do what you can And I guess If you have kids, try to teach them Set a good example Why not?
0: Why not? Make
3: the place look nicer It's 943 At News Radio WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com Coming up A very special presentation next hour. So if you enjoy special presentations, WNBF will bring you a special broadcast presentation. You won't want to miss it. It'll be on the air coming up from 10 to 11 on the highly acclaimed Binghamton Now program. I'm the host, Bob Joseph. 607-772-1290. 607-772-1290. We'd love to hear from you. Thoughts about the weekend? Thoughts about how the year has gone so far? Look at it. Look at it. The year's almost over. 20 days left in the year. 2023. What are your thoughts? and what are your goals for 2024 Eh, give us a call 607-772-1290 live and local bob joseph on binghamton now thousand dollar gift cards tell me who is giving them out and also the the source of this information the country our administration is giving no i mean who our administration, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Hunter Biden, the Bidens aren't going down there giving out gift cards. Who is actually giving out the gift cards?
8: Personally, who's actually handing them out, Bob?
3: Yeah, because I I I have my doubts. I'm looking here on, on a story, it says there doesn't seem to be a government initiative in the United States that provides $5,000 gift cards to undocumented immigrants. So tell me who it is so I can call her up and ask her why she's doing it. Her or he? Well, no. You- well, again, don't just throw it out there, lob it out there into the public arena and think that everybody is supposed to believe it. Bob, it's going. It's all over the news. Well, I don't doubt it's all over the news, but that doesn't help me sourcing, my friend sourcing. If you, if your mother tells you you like chocolate chip cookies, get us a, a third or fourth source. How does she know?
8: Okay, well let's see. I heard it on another radio show. I'm sure you.
3: Oh, another radio show. You're going to believe stuff they say on other radio shows. There is one show for the truth, my friends, and it's on from 9 a.m. to noon, Eastern Time. Again, tell me who is giving out $5,000 gift cards to undocumented immigrants. An official from the Customs and Border Protection informed Newsweek the organization did not offer any gift cards. So I want to know who it is. (laughs) Who it is.
8: Okay, here's a broad answer. Our government.
3: Our government? No. I want to know her name so I can call her and get my gift cards.
8: You can get your... All you got to do is get walk out of the water, carry a bag with you, and get in line, and you'll get one.
3: Well, then why don't you? Why don't you go do it and get a video in that way and then ask the person what her name is and then ask for her cell phone number and then pass it on to me so when she takes a lunch break... I can call her to ask her where is she getting all these gift cards? That adds up after a while.
8: It does, Bob. But you know, I I just couldn't bring. I couldn't go down there because knowing myself, I, I'd have to, I I'd have to resist hurting somebody. But I just couldn't go down there and be around those people. Couldn't do it. Could not do it. There's no way. I'd rather stay up here and complain about them coming up here than going down there and being with them. Why is that? You. You think you would hurt them? Well, I don't know that I would hurt them, but knowing my mouth, Bob, I'd probably say a few things that people wouldn't like.
3: Oh, Dave, David, if I may, please. You wouldn't do that. You would show you would show your humanity. You would say, what do you need? What do you need besides these $5,000 gift cards?
8: Bob, okay, hi if I don't have the answer, who, who actually is handing them out, Bob? Hypothetically, if it's true, what is your opinion?
3: On? It's not true. Until you prove that it's true, send me proof. Send me proof. Don't send a link. I don't click on links. But you describe the news organization or the government agency... That has specific details about the $5,000 gift cards, and then I will call the person who's giving them out, and then I'll ask her why she's doing it.
1: Bob,
8: I know you are capable of giving answers to hypotheticals. I know you're good at it. I'm not going to
3: answer for something that apparently isn't happening.
8: But it is happening.
3: You say identify the source it is happening i heard on a radio show well i heard something on a radio show too that i knew for certain was untrue but you know what people on radio shows for the most part can say a lot of things that are untrue it's not illegal but it's not right
8: it was in the daily news and the new york
3: post both new york papers what issue what issue of the new york post okay now we're getting somewhere new york post what issue it was, it was one
8: day last week. All right, hold it. on. Both was it on the cover? No, it was inside. It was in... Uh... All right, hold on. I'm oh, looking up no. the New York Post.
3: New York Post, $5,000 gift cards. Hold on. I'm holding. It doesn't show up. I just did a search under New York Post oh. for $5,000 gift cards. It doesn't show up. If it was in the New Why York co- Post, it would show up.
5: They're Visa credit cards. Okay, hold They're on. Not gift cards. All
3: right, hold on. I'll change the search to $5,000 Visa cards. Okay, credit cards. Okay, Visa credit cards. All right. I will let you know what the search turns up. I've right. put in the uh, almighty search engine for the New York Post five thousand dollar <laughs> Visa credit cards. I will now push the search button. Search, baby, search. Nothing to the immigrants. Did, did nothing. you put immigrants? Oh, I'm going to add immigrants. Okay, I'm going to keep adding immigrants at the border. You know, this is well. You can't. This it can't is, be just in general to anybody. <laughs> it would have shown up. Nope, zero, zilch, nada. Sadly, I believe, I believe you've been caught spreading a fallacy. Yeah, no. Send me an email. You send me an email. You find the story, uh, cite the exact website. Don't send the link, but send the, the date and the headline. Because that way, with the headline, and then say the first sentence of the... Story, and that way I'll be able to search it. Do not send links because I am unable to click on the links. So, thank you. That's his assignment, and we will find out how well he does when he calls tomorrow morning here on Stump the Professor. Well, this is a very special
0: day. Hi. Hello. Who are you? I'm the strange man who used to be here Fridays, but yeah. now I'm here on Mondays. All right. Well, we're not doing
3: anything else next hour, so. That's good. That's great.
0: Yeah. That's great.
3: So, Gerald Smith is here in the house. Yes. There is every reason to believe we may take a phone call next hour. Yes. A lucky listener. Do I
0: get a $5,000 card?
3: No, if you can find that story.
0: Okay, fine.
3: <laughs> I, I don't think you're gonna get a five thousand oh, dollar gift that's card right. because I, I've I got searched. a job now. I don't need yeah, it. Yeah, you're
0: you're good. Yeah, you're good.
3: That's right. You owe me lunch now. Now that fine. Now that <laughs> I found. Now that I found you a job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, you found me. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, actually, it's Mr. Luther, Roger Luther, who yes. started all this. Yeah. And we'll thank you. Yes, I have both cursed him and thanked him simultaneously. Dr. Luther is the guy,
3: man. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up next, after some, after an information interlude, I guess that's what they call news now, mm. an information interlude, Jerry Smith will talk about history. And we promise, how can I word this more carefully? I plan to take at least one call. See, if I say there it, we I go. plan to you take plan. at least one call. That, Very that good. Means if we it's a good plan. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe
3: maybe two. Okay. It's 10 o'clock. This is WNBF.
2: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. A winter weather advisory remains in effect until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Plan on slippery road conditions. Governor Kathy Hochul is urging New Yorkers to remain prepared as this large storm system is expected to cause power outages throughout much of the state and create difficult travel conditions in some locations during the morning commute. Due to the severity of the winter storm, PennDOT has temporarily reduced the speed limit on several roadways in the region. Pandapo was urging motorists to avoid unnecessary travel, but those who must head out will see speeds reduced to 45 miles per hour on portions of Interstate 81, 84, and 380. A resident of a Binghamton home died as a result of a fast-moving late-night fire that also injured a city firefighter. Authorities said the blaze at 74 Colfax Avenue in the First Ward was reported around 11.30 p.m. on Friday. Several people called 911 after the the fire broke out in the single-family house. The first police officers in the scene reported flames were shooting from the front of the structure. By the time firefighters arrived, the blaze had spread to a neighboring house at 74 Colfax Avenue. It also was engulfed in a a pickup truck that was parked between the two homes. A second alarm was called minutes later as people at the scene advised firefighters' residents were trapped inside 72 Colfax Avenue. Firefighters found one person on the first floor near the rear of the house. Paramedics provided initial treatment at the scene before the person was taken by ambulance to Wilson Hospital. The person whose name was not released by the fire department was pronounced dead. A firefighter fell over five feet while working to battle the blaze. The firefighter who was not identified was transported to Wilson for treatment. No congestion report was released. The blaze is being investigated by the Binghamton Police and Fire Departments. An abandoned electricity and steam generating facility in Binghamton's first ward could be repurposed in the future. The cogeneration plant at 22 Charles Street was built by Anatech Image Corporation to provide power for its massive manufacturing complex. Natural gas was the primary fuel it used, although it sometimes was powered by oil that was stored at the site. A California-based company acquired the facility in 2012 to generate power only at times of peak demand. Wellhead Electric pulled the plug on the plant after losing millions of dollars on the venture. The city of Binghamton took possession of the property when Wellhead donated it after removing the usable generating equipment from the building. Mayor Jared Graham told WNBF News that because of new state regulations, the complex could never again be used as a natural gas field generating plant. Graham said the city has obtained a grant through the State Energy Research and Development Authority to study potential reuse of the site. New York State environmental teams are continuing to monitor and treat contaminated groundwater at an abandoned industrial site near the former IBM Manufacturing Complex. Employees of the Department of Environmental Conservation have been working at the old Endicott Forging and Manufacturing Company property in recent days. The site is located at North Street and Hayes Avenue just east of the Huron campus. The century-old business shut down after a raging fire in February 2000. Endicott Forging went bankrupt after the devastating blaze. The fire-wrecked facility was demolished nearly nine years later. According to the DEC, records indicate there were many petroleum spills at the site during the year Endicott Forging operated there. At one point, more than 115,000 gallons of oil was stored in the property. The state agency began investigating the site in 2003. Petroleum-contaminated soil was removed from the property as part of the pollution investigation. Groundwater monitoring wells were installed in an effort to determine the extent of the contamination. Recovery wells were put in to contain and clean up oil in the groundwater. Those wells in the treatment system remain active. Two years ago, DEC hired an engineering company to conduct further studies to determine whether more action was needed to deal with the tainted site. An investigation revealed the oil-contaminated soil remains between 6 and 18 feet below the ground surface. These studies determined the oil apparently is naturally degrading. DEC sampling from off-site monitoring wells over the past year indicate the spilled oil is not migrating off the Endicott Forging property. And a man arrested for firing gunshots outside a Jewish temple in upstate New York had been federally charged. An FBI spokesperson said Mufid Fawaz Al-Qadar has been charged with possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. Officials say he fired two shots inside a synagogue in Albany on Thursday. The episode in New York's capital happened on the first night of Hanukkah amid rising fears of anti-Semitism worldwide and fallout from Israel's intensifying war in Gaza. Albany Police Chief Eric Hawkins said the man suspected of firing gunshots said free Palestine when officers arrested him. That's a look at news for updates on local news, weather, sports and features. Open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
3: then When times were different. I'm Bob Joseph along with historian Gerald Smith.
0: Were times really that different? Well Some mm. but times are always different. yeah otherwise it'd be the same time and then we wouldn't know where we were because the time's the same. All right. Well look we' weird. We, we have callers,
3: I don't know. Wow. I'm not sure if this is good or bad, but what, let's what let's see do, what's Bob? going on. We, okay. They're all confused because I'm here right. on a Monday. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air with Gerald Smith. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Hey,
5: Bob, this is Fran from Binghamton. And uh, yesterday was the anniversary of, um, I do believe, the Ackerman Building fire. And I wanted to ask Jerry about it because I can't find a lot of information about it. My father at that time was seriously injured in okay. that fire. Okay. So I was wondering what kind of light Jerry could shine on that for me.
0: Hmm. Well, I know of the fire. I, I know there are photographs of the fire in the collection of the Broom County Historical Society. Oh,
5: there are. Come yeah,
0: on. yeah. I, well, it was a... Big blaze. Um, I think you said there were fifteen businesses in the building. Oh, that—that's very possible. Because um, I know there's some black and whites of the fire. Why? Why yeah, I'm looking at a picture. I'm trying to think if it's a nighttime fire or not. I'm trying to visualize the photograph. I
5: believe my that my dad answered that call from the south side fire department okay. which later became number five right um i think that when he got there and they began to put the ladders up was when he went up to the second floor like in the chief or someone said to do right and he broke that window and then the next thing he knew he was on the concrete
0: right because probably a flame flame out of it just blew out.
3: Isn't so that, that was way. right
0: That mm-hmm. was right near here near the
3: yes. station yes. WNBF yeah, it radio would have been station right
5: across from what was probably Burger's Army and Navy.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. Henry Street and
0: Commercial all. Avenue.
3: Yes. Right.
5: The it happens lot is in that area now. What
0: time of day cuz I'm trying to visualize it. I can see the photo. I well, the photograph that's coming to mind is of uh, the ladder going up to the second floor
3: Yeah, the the picture here on the front page of uh, the paper when they had pictures um, the ladder, let's see two, three, four, so it's a five story building, so it's all engulfed in flames and smoke and I looked through a
5: lot of uh, some of the books that I've looked yeah, at it with I mean, you when I was exploring the lander fire and that type of thing.
0: Right. Yeah, I know in our the file collection at the local history center on the second floor of the library, we've got uh, a whole section under, I'm trying to remember how we cataloged it, I think it's under disasters-fires- Binghamton and then by the fire. So there's probably newspaper copies of the newspaper coverage.
5: I'm certainly hoping so because I'm trying to put this thing together. Right. As to the fact that he was crippled for the rest of his life right. as a result of the fire, yeah, and very, very little bit about it. Not that it was many big, folks are big lying. coverage here yeah. in the
3: paper. Yep. December 6, nineteen fifty-four.
5: December sixth. That. Yeah. 50. Yeah, 800,000.
3: Yeah, $800,000 $800, yeah, $800, fire ruins Ackerman building. Yes. Firemen hampered by cold. Yes. It was reported
5: exactly.
3: at 3:42 in the morning. It is, yeah, it is nighttime. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's what I had in my head. I could see the pictures and the photographs. I kept thinking it's, it's nighttime. I remember one of them showed the icicles coming off the building because mm-hmm. they were, sh- you know, shooting water at the flames and they would just freeze up. Um I'm off the top of my head. Denny Sullivan, Dennis Sullivan. I, I know
5: Denny well.
0: He's my cousin. Good. Well, because he was like basically the historian for the fire department forever.
5: Yeah, he's retired and left the area now. Oh, did he leave? Okay, I knew I Denny. Thought I thought he did.
0: Okay, I, I, I knew Denny sure. had, had, had retired because he and I worked on a um, fire exhibit a number of years ago. On the ago factory camp. I was listing those who had died in service because he, oh. he was trying to compile. His
5: father was one.
0: Yes, and And so he was he was vigilant about trying to, because there were some that were just got missed from years ago um and uh, we were trying to make it and then have a had a nice little exhibit on that up for a while but he did a lot I, yes, and a good man um and and uh Every time I came in, I thought, "Oh, what am I going to be working on now?" So it's <laughs> <laughs>
5: sort of, sort of when I call you.
0: Well, it, yeah, but it keeps my brain fresh.
3: That's, That's so. This the is thing. where they then they built this parking garage over there, over at State and Henry. So yes. one fireman, John McMahon, suffered a fractured right ankle when he fell from a ten-foot ladder onto the sidewalk in Henry
5: Street. Yeah, he was treated a General by Doctor. Mm-hmm. Frank Canole, who had had a lot of Ooh, a lot uh, of records connection <laughs> uh, for wounds to the feet from landmines. Uh, okay, uh, so also, he was able to save my dad's right. uh, ankle. He was.
0: He was also a, an avid record and music collector uh-huh. because it, it's his his children. Um, it's his collection that's over at SUNY Broom.
5: Frank Canole? Yes. Oh, he was a wonderful son. Um, he also I, I, treated all the kids at, uh, at the orphanage. Okay. St. Uh, Mary's Saint home. St.
0: Mary's, okay. Yeah,
5: if our lead nun could not handle the situation, mm. then the next one in line was Dr. Frank Canole.
0: Okay, but I know yeah. that name because I remember both, or the, I think there were three children. And I know it was something like in the terms of, no, not SUNY Broom. I'm sorry, Binghamton University. Because um, mm-hmm. it was something like in the terms of like 30,000 record albums plus sheet music. Wow. and Yeah, it, it, it's part of the fine arts. Uh, well, no, it's part of the special collections of Binghamton University over by the Bartle Library, I know.
5: Well, he had that little office there on front, right up by Doctor Tobin, the eye doctor. Okay. For many, many years, all right. across from the Binghamton Club, they were
0: great. Ah, front. okay, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Well, so it
3: was uh, nine degrees. It was the coldest morning, yeah. coldest morning of of the season up to that point. So all all the water they poured turned into like a lake of ice this shows you how different things were back when reporters were allowed to report information before everything was secret mm. there's a picture of the firefighter who was injured it's a photo of the firefighter at the hospital being um treated yeah yeah getting a blood pressure reading taken by a doctor these days they won't even tell you they won't even tell well, you the HIPAA laws would have prevented you from yeah. but here's Here's a picture. Everything is fine. Nobody's upset. Yeah, and you know that's news. Well, news, news you can use as yes. opposed to these days. Everything has to be couched in secrecy. Let's see the, of course, the Western Union office that was in the building was destroyed. So mm, they had to okay. uh, put in emergency yeah. systems. That,
0: that was a um, big fire. It was huge, huge. Because uh, that, that was. A good half a block long building, if I recall. Yeah. There were lots of businesses. Yes. Lots of businesses that were
3: destroyed. Yeah. And, yeah, they were there for for a long time just
0: trying to uh, get that extinguished. But you're right. It's just about where the parking garage is because that's where Commercial Alley came down through. Even... Of course, that's when phones worked, too. They had a phone company
3: that actually had working phones. And people answered. Yeah, yeah. New York Telephone Company began installing temporary circuits between Binghamton right. and Syracuse. So that's how it worked. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Let's see. We learned We learned Thank you, something. That was a big fire. Yes, it was. We don't have fires like that anymore. Well, I hope not. Well, I hope not. Remember that one fire they had over at... Um, over on Schnango Street was a, another winter fire. Mm. Of course, now it's the university lost. But remember, they had just started uh, renovating the old building. I think it had been used by McLean's or something. But then they, um, they had a fire for some reason. They had a fire one night, and the whole thing was, was gutted. Yeah. And then finally... Because that's the one that caused so much damage to the press building. Remember, Mark Iannotti oh, 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 yeah. had spent who knows how the much old, money. The
0: old the former Masonic Temple, which had been yeah. part of McLean's store. Yeah. But there was a big fire, and I yeah, still—they never, they never
3: actually pinpointed the cause of the no, fire. The, so
0: I didn't know if it was one of the heaters they left on. But the contractors had been in there working on it. Yeah. And then, I mean, the water damage to the press building oh, next door. its heartbreaking. Because it wasn't so much the flames that damaged the building. It no. was the water because they had to pour water just to save it so it wouldn't go through the firewalls. Yeah, and that was a big setback because oh, yeah. uh,
3: one of the big legal firms, not named HH&K, that's had right. located there. I, I think they, I don't know if they had three floors at uh, least. I three think or it four was floors. three. Yeah. Yeah, that they had
0: just redone in the the press building.
3: Yeah. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air with Jerry Smith. What's your first name and where are you calling from?
10: This is uh, Matt from Binghamton. How are you doing?
3: Good. Have you ever been uh, in public office before?
10: uh, Who's asking?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The district attorney. (laughs) <laughs> You're under oath, so that's right. Choose your words carefully. Have, have you ever traveled the traffic circle in Binghamton? <laughs> really?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? What, do you have any opinion now about that?
10: Both ways, i am i left and right
3: There do you, you ha- go. Do you have any opinion about the downtown roundabout?
10: Uh. <laughs>
3: uh
10: not, not today. I
0: don't. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, careful what you say, Master yeah, careful. <laughs> anyway, former
3: Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan. Good yep. morning.
10: Hello, and happy holiday season to
3: both. You
7: you
10: too. So, Jerry, I was going, I don't know where this book came from. I've been straightening out my books. And I found this thing, uh, Better Binghamton, a report to the Mercantile Press Club of Binghamton, New York, September 11th, by Charles Mulford Robinson.
0: Yep.
3: First,
10: You know about
0: Urban re- report, uh, urban renewal type, well, urban planning report for the city of Binghamton. Yeah, he was out of Syracuse. Okay. And it's a good book. There's some really kind of weird things in it in a couple of spots. Um, but he he's w- was brought down to analyze um, how Binghamton was operating both the government and the society, uh... One of his complaints is apparently they had open, under, you would walk down to open latrines on the courthouse lawn. That was <laughs> yeah. not very inviting. I uh, saw that. Yep. <laughs> he, he urged the city to put in a river walk system because the rivers were our finest uh asset at that time. I tell people it only took us 90 years to get there, but we we got (laughs) there. Um, The one thing, and I didn't catch it, my wife caught it, is he was talking about all the the numbers of immigrants coming in and how they're a great resource. But in there, he, because my wife is half Slovak and half Irish, he said, the Slovaks are overpopulating too fast. So... (laughs) Now, why he picked on them, I don't know, um, because we had Poles and Hungarians and Czechs and Italians and Lithuanians and every nationality here. But he did point that out. But if you read it, the core of it's pretty good. Um, He makes a lot of sense. He's talking about what they should be doing. And the city government at the time, I think, basically like they do with a lot of studies is it goes on a shelf and it's yeah. forgotten about. Yeah, it's it's a it's a neat book if you have a copy or for people to look at. Uh, it gives an insight into a lot of the same problems we're looking at a century later. Um, yeah.
10: But now what, what would you... I mean, I just assume if, if it's a fairly rare
0: book. I'd just as soon donate it. It's not yeah. in great, great shape. No, but and there aren't, there aren't that many copies around. I think we've got two or three at the local history center. You know, I, I was just thinking, though, I wonder, I don't, I'm not sure that Binghamton University has a copy, because they've got a special collections, too.
10: Well, fine. if you find out, I'd be glad to okay.
0: donate it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look on their catalog, and then I'll let you know. Or, okay. Or when you have a chance, you could loan it to
3: me there you go. for a couple of weeks so I could look at it's it over nice the holidays. It's uh, a kind of
0: a medium
3: brown
10: I'll book. Yeah. I'll drop it off. It's very delicate. It might, might need some repair. I okay. I not a
3: book repair person. But, just, but if I but could um, look at it during the holidays now, because I think yeah. I'd be
0: fascinated by Now, it. if you had a copy of a, of a really rare book that's never been written called Better A We Go, <laughs> <laughs> let me know because I have to learn a lot about that now. So <laughs> Okay for my Why new job
10: that? I, did i miss something oh yeah um, he has yeah. a new
0: job i'm now at the uh, tioga county. I, i'm now the executive oh, director of tioga county historical society in know oh congratulations
10: that's hysterical i mean I,
0: ex- no you're right on both cases <laughs> yeah. i i came out of retirement and went back to work full-time yeah oh, great i was and so, by the way, so Bob,
10: pleased to i'm going to call back next hour because that guy who's talking about five thousand dollar gift cards Oh, there I you have go. Breaking, I have breaking news on that story. Okay. Okay, you do that, Matt. All yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll,
3: I'll look forward to that. Thank you. That's former Binghamton Mayor Matthew Ryan. So here's an interesting thing. Yes. So Better Binghamton, obviously, was an important book. Yes. When it was released in 1911. 1911. And I am looking forward to uh, being able to peruse it yeah. after it's, it's, uh, the it's, former it's, mayor loans it to me. It's a pretty good read. But listen to this. Yeah wound up there were too many copies so this appeared in the newspaper in july 1912 under the headline have you an idea ten dollars for plan to dispose of better binghamton <laughs> chamber of <laughs> commerce must get rid of 1900 copies 1900. as soon as possible so listen to this and and i it's, it's funny just to think about it chamber of commerce offers a prize of ten dollars And by the way, in 1911, $10 was money. Yeah, uh, For the best plan of disposing of nearly 2,000 copies of Better Binghamton, the Mercantile Press Club published a report by Charles Mulford Robinson in September 1911 uh, stating the results of his study of the sidewalk streets, parks, playgrounds, and history of the city. This is a beautifully printed and bound book of 140 pages with a complete map of the city and is profusely illustrated with finely executed cuts and engravings of business blocks, residences, churches, factories, roads, parks, and surrounding scenery. When the consolidation of the press club happened along with the Chamber of Commerce, there were on hand an unsold (laughs) 1,937 copies of the book, which cost about 94 cents each and which must be liquidated because they had to get rid of the assets of the press club as part of the consolidation. Several plans for bringing these books to the attention of Binghamton citizens have been tried, but outside of a very few persons, the value and desirability of this report have not become known. So they have this thing for people to send in suggestions about how we're going to get rid of 1,937 copies of Better Binghamton and they had a a deadline of August 15th 1912 and then again I'm sure I can look up I may look up to find out (laughs) what they finally solved you know it's like well why don't we turn them over to like the Whatever the county office building or city hall, and use them for fuel for to heat the place this winter or whatever. But anyways, I know I just find that you know intriguing. They still pop up from time to time. Well, I think maybe that I have seen this before. I won't know until I actually uh, see the copy that that the former mayor. It's not a big bug, no.
0: Hundred forty pages. Yeah, but. well, it's a it's a smaller size format. It, it's a, it's a brownish book with cream color pages. It's I got one. Somebody donated it or threw it in the book box or something, and we had enough copies, so that became mine. Oh, I see what they finally did. I don't
3: know if this was to get rid of all the copies or just some. So at a later date, then. There's a house ad for the newspaper, free to press subscribers, house directory of Binghamton or Better Binghamton. You get a choice of these two books absolutely free, absolutely free. So that's the only condition being that the subscriber must pay his account to date and four months in advance. So this was to induce people to pay for the newspaper four months in advance which cost a dollar. You had to pay a fork over a dollar to pay for four months in advance for the newspaper. But How you got absolutely that? free a book. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. hmm. wonder if they would do that now. No. No. <laughs> no. By the way, the other day I got a call from someone, obviously not from this country, I could tell. I wasn't able to pick up, but he alleged that my newspaper subscription had expired. Oh, dear. He alleged it. And I'm looking, it's like, I know, because every month, like clockwork, whether this is a smart move or not, I write out the check because I'm so used to sending several hundred dollars to that organization every year. Yes. With the ultimate hope that they'll hire some more reporters so we can have some Binghamton News. News. Yes. And I wasn't able to get to the the phone in time, so I hear the message, yeah, uh, calling about your, your newspaper subscription, it's it's. Expired. I'm like, I better check to see if they got my check in and cashed it. Sure enough, they canceled it. I'm thinking, so if the guy calls me today, I'm going to have to have a word with him. What is the word? Can't be used on the air. Okay, fine. fine. But having dealt with this outfit in the past, since they've outsourced all of everything, the services or circulation services, used to be people in the Philippines were handling it. So I have right. to approach it because I don't want to give the US a bad name Right? because, you know, the guy from the Philippines, he has nothing to do with cashing my check and then claiming my newspaper subscription's canceled.
0: As far as I know. Sorry, yeah. Wonder if it's a scam. Maybe. <gasps> oh. oh. There's
3: more <laughs> more to come. More to come. You're on WNBF. I guarantee it. This is Bob Joseph with Jerry Smith on a Monday morning.
1: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota.
3: 10:35. I call it Binghamton. Then this yeah. is Bob Joseph with Jerry Smith, and we discuss the history of the region, Jesse and Oswego. You're on the air.
5: Yeah,
11: you have aroused my uh, aroused my curiosity. You said there was a book that was going to be written that was editor Oswego.
9: No,
0: (laughs) I I said there was a rare and mysterious never written book Ah, you had to listen carefully It should probably be written called Better of a week There's a lot of books about a week that have been written as I'm finding out But um, uh, no, it has not been written and no, I don't have any plans to write it yeah Charles Robinson was an urban planner so I don't think he came down to Tioga County to do that at that moment but uh, he was a very early urban planner early part of the 20th century so
11: there's a lot of very interesting books about a Wego. it's amazing just how historic this really is yes I'll tell you what I'll tell you what Gerald you threw me I'm going to say either a knuckleball and a curveball probably at the same time you both should be professional pitchers because I totally forgot you were coming in on Mondays instead
0: of Fridays. Ah, well, it's it's now my new day off cuz I get Sundays and Mondays off cuz I work Tuesday through Saturdays every every week. So so it's new and it's improved. That's right. So now we start out the week with me.
3: Yeah. A powerful, powerful improvement. And this is just the first of a series of big improvements to the program that we're planning to roll out over the next year. Oh yeah. Who knows? So here's
11: what happened. Here's what happened. We went from Freaky Friday to Manic Monday. There you right? go. We'll
3: go. Yep. And, and wait till you hear what we have planned for Tuesday. So thank you, Jesse. <laughs> thank you. It's the all new Binghamton Now. Yes. Be listening.
0: Yeah. Every, every day. It's going to become
3: more and more critical for people to listen to every day. You won't want to miss a second. No. Coming up next in the Harsh Spotlight. Whatever became of Washington Avenue. Don't that, laugh. No. It's the harsh spotlight. It is.
0: It's the truth. It, it's Oh, sad. this will
3: also... But, it's, but but it's a story of hope.
0: Yes, and brings back fond memories. And, and if we
3: have time, notice I say if we have time, yeah. this could become a listener participation segment. Yes, so what I recommend, yeah. anyone who's familiar with the Avenue in Endicott, you might want to listen yeah. because if time permits, we'll ask listeners to weigh in too. Because trust me, Jerry and I have a lot to say, but we we may we may still have time
0: for listeners. We'll try. Oh man, we'll try. We'll we'll make every effort. Well, most efforts. Yeah, we might we might give it a shot. Might. Stay might. tuned to find out for sure.
3: Bob Joseph with Jerry Smith talking history on WNBF.
7: WNBF
3: WNBF, saluting history
0: guess that's what that song You'll is be like.
3: history. You'll be his You'll be history. 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 So 10.43 Eastern Time and 7.43 for our friends in Malibu. Ooh. Oh, and in the Bay Area. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're not there. What do you like best, San Francisco
0: or Oakland? As a place to live? Yeah. i probably go... I like San Francisco, but I might go with Oakland. I don't know. You can't afford San Francisco. No. San
3: Francisco is too expensive. No,
0: but they do have streetcars. one yeah. of them's named
3: Desire, and right, <laughs> and the San Francisco treats. Indeed. I always wondered what is that about
2: Rice-A-Roni,
3: the San Francisco treats. Why, San Francisco? It's like, you know, Nobody Why, else? why, when I go to San Francisco, do I have to wear flowers in my hair? Why? I mean, because, you see, I'm follically challenged, so all all I would have is a head full of flowers.
5: Uh
0: Okay. (sighs) But you'd smell pretty. Yes. And speaking of Washington Mm. Avenue... Here we go. (laughs) I'll I'll segue right there. Well, okay. Fine. So... Yes. Washington Avenue has
3: changed over the years. Indeed. And I'm intrigued... Because I came across something that was in a holiday advertising section at the newspaper, the Evening Press, from 50 years ago. Right. And it says Shop the Avenue, and it's a complete Christmas shopping land. And it brought back memories from my youth when it was a complete shopping land. And listen to some of these places. I won't list them all right now. And this is not a complete list. I showed you the list, and this is just participating merchants. Inevitably, some merchants, for whatever reason, declined to participate. But these are just a few of the participating merchants that were listed in the newspaper ad in December 1973. First, and most importantly, Elks. Yes. Elks Bakery. (laughs) Indeed. For all all of your brownie needs, your half-moon cookies. Yep. And now home of the most delightful craft brewery in Endicott. Yeah. In the North the North. Yeah. And I know he's listening. Because yes. he always <laughs> Yes he does. <laughs> he, he, yes, he probably, does. probably he'll probably call in yep. if we take calls. So also listen to this. Banks. Yes. Endicott Bank of New York, Endicott Trust Company, Yes. Delaware County Federal Savings and Loan, and First City National. So four banks, uh, Griswold's Card and Gift Shop, that's the one that Chevy Chase ran. Yes. (laughs) And they sold cards and holiday decorations. That's right. Uh, Also a decorating and gift shop called Caravan Shop. Okay. Uh, Department stores, they only listed three, of course. Only. The Burt Company. Yes. J.J. Newberry and Woolworths. Okay. Dinnerware and gifts, Danelle. Mm Mm-hmm. Danelle. Florist, they had two listed Angeline Florist and yes. Endicott Florist. Endicott Florist is still there. Yes. So that's some. We'll list more in a moment. Yeah. But so let's look back on the history of Washington Avenue. And what I like about Washington Avenue as a shopping district is it was, and still is, it's a self contained shopping district that runs on the Avenue from North Street. East Main Street. Yes. So you have a beautiful, self-contained district. Plus, on both the east and west sides, behind the businesses, right? Municipal parking. Yes. So, how did
0: that come to pass? Do you recall well, who came up with the idea the, for Washington Avenue? The the original layout was from the Endicott Land Company. Who? Wanted to plan a community. They also were part owner of the trolley car lines that ran their cars right into Casino Park. And then they convinced Henry B. Endicott to build a factory. And But it was a, sort of a planned community. The, the North Street and up would basically be where factories and manufacturing would be. Uh, Main Street would be for residences, but then Washington Avenue was set aside as basically the retail corridor. And then you would have housing and people on either side. As it developed, you're right, the the next street over, the Village of Endicott officials put in a number of municipal parking lots. But uh, And it has evolved since 1906 when the village was incorporated greatly. But, I mean, some of these stores, I've, I just started doing my walking tour of Endicott this last year, and i be going to be doing it again in May of next year. And it's fascinating how few businesses that are there now were there 50 years ago. As you said, you know the one floor shop is there. Endicott Florist. That's that's
3: still there. But I'm trying to think, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe a listener would correct me. But I can't think aside from Endicott Florists of any business that was there 50 years ago that's still there today. Is Endicott Florist the only business that was there in 1973 that's
0: still one eatery that's on your list? I believe that's still open. But is it? It says... Pantheon. Isn't, is not that they still open? Pantheon Restaurant. I thought it was still for open. For some reason, I thought they closed. Maybe they did. All right. Well, I may be wrong. But uh, you're, speaking but you're of right. the, re- the department stores, and they don't mention uh, McLean's on that list. Where was McLean's? Well, maybe McLean's, McLean's refused McLean's is to participate. what becomes the home store for Burt's. Oh. Because McLean's had their own store. Okay. Well, maybe McLean's was merchant that didn't want to participate. Because they were participating in Binghamton or whatever. It could be. Right. And I don't know whether McLean's had shut down their Endicott store by 73. Yeah. I, I can't remember. But, uh, you, you know, you start thinking about the movie theaters. You had several movie theaters in and around Endicott. Well, when I was a kid... Because that would be the town. The town, town, town that, theater, which, which is the Lyric. Now, mm-hmm. then the town, then the E-Pack. There was the Strand, but that was taken down. So, Pantheon
3: Restaurant, I think, may still be running, but it's not on Washington Avenue.
0: No, no, it's it's around the corner. On Monroe? Yes.
3: Alright. So maybe they moved. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, they're, so, maybe, they're so close to the corner. Yeah. There. Okay, so a few other things. Of course, Woody's Record Shop. Yes. See, now, I don't remember Woody's because we went to um, The one in Johnson City on Main Street. Uh, Hi-Fi, Hi-Fi, yep. Hi-Fi record records and tapes. Yes. So what else? Uh, oh,
3: men's apparel. Shapiro's yes. and Country Gentleman. I don't remember, I don't remember Country Gentleman.
0: And that list doesn't include Kleins. Yes, it does. Because does it yeah, because oh, right. there's Klein's a separate under- thing
3: for men's and boys' apparel. Ah, so there's that's Kleins, right. Levinson's. Yes. United Men's and Boys Wear. Okay. Then Jewelers, Ruby and Sons, which is still in business, yes, and I believe they're in Vestal, yes, Town Square Mall. They are. Also, Hilkins, which is no longer with us. Right. Health and Beauty Aids, Value Discount, Furniture, A&S Furniture. I believe they were at 109 Washington Avenue, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, Footwear. Footwear was big. Yes, There There's were, little- of course, five shoe stores, of yes. course. Endicott Johnson's. Yes. Then Endicott Shoe Company, the Nettleton, Roscoe,
0: and Dwyer's Junior Shoes. Yes. For us little kids who had to go to Dwyer's, they mm. had to store on Court Street here in Binghamton, right next to Hamlin's. Travel
3: Service, Soaker Travel Service. Yes. Women's Apparel, several stores. Esther Emmerman, uh-huh. Lee's, right. Modern Dress Shop, Shirley's, Surrey Limited, and Tri-Fi Shops. Mm. And a paint and wallpaper store, Sherwin-Williams. Yes. So that's a lot of businesses. And remember, those are just the participating. Right. Those that opted not to participate. So the bottom line is, that was 1973. Now, what I see on Washington Avenue as I drive from North Street, heading south. Right. Looking in both directions. Yes. I see some new businesses have started up. Yes. And then some have closed. But I also see... Um, indications that some people are actually doing some good work on on buildings
0: for future use. Yes, uh, there's some nice facade work. You mentioned the brewery there. They've done a wonderful job with that building. Uh, There's a few others, too. I mean, I I see with the manufacturing coming back to the village, I see a lot of hope for a lot of those storefronts to start filling up. Because once you have people working, then you're going to have retail outlets to serve them yeah you know, it, it may not be the day way it was in 73 but you know it's uh, there's, okay. there's there's glimmers of hope there are and and actually I've covered
3: oh I don't know if it was two or three new businesses very nice businesses a new restaurant and yes. a nice discount store yep. that have opened on Washington Avenue this year and people that spent a lot of time and money to Get those businesses going yes. So I, I commend them yep. And we have the Official confirmation about the Pantheon yeah. It's been a while since I've eaten at the Pantheon yeah. restaurant, sometimes I think I've been there with Tom Pachano And Roger Neal confirms, Pantheon Is still open See? 1203 Monroe Street Monroe. Just yep. off Washington Avenue yep. So that was a, a walk down memory lane Yes The Avenue The Avenue and I'm interested to see what happens next year because somebody told me that there's some other businesses that are planning mm. to open between, well, like, in the first six months of 2024. There's,
0: there's people there working. I well. mean, you, it's not like in the 60s and early 70s when the noon hour and all the IBMers and the Seton kids and the UE kids and the EJ people are all thronging down the avenue, but it's it's got life and and it it can come back. You know, we've seen what's happened in Binghamton with a lot of storefronts now filled up, and I've seen the same thing happening in Johnson City. It's hard to come back, but we're seeing manufacturing brings hope, and and we, well, maybe we're not making computers, but we're making batteries, so... But there's people, and people eat, and people shop.
3: Well, and let's face it, if people in Endicott don't take advantage of this opportunity, I mean, with VAE Systems there, with more than 1,000 people working here on campus, and the fact that the company phoenix investors which now owns the huron campus property they, they have spent millions of dollars since they purchased it yeah. so they're showing some yes they are interest in the future of endicott yep. so i think everybody else
0: has really ought to and maybe i in the, the same direction dust of history there will be new manufacturing plants coming back and we could have even more maybe they could have a
3: radio station and they Ooh. can have something called endicott
0: now. oh they could have a newspaper the Endicott Bulletin. Yes. We'll bring it back. Jerry Smith, it's been a
3: pleasure. Sadly, this will be your final scheduled appearance for the year, but that doesn't mean, doesn't mean you won't show up uh, for. Com- I'll come back in 2024. Yeah. I'll look forward to it. All right. In the meantime, enjoy the holidays and congratulations. Thank you. We've got calls coming up. We'll talk about everything next hour right here on News Radio. WNBF and WNBF.com.
1: This is News Radio 1290 AM. WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM. W221 EJ Binghamton. A Town Square media station.
2: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. A winter weather advisory remains in effect until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Plan on slippery road conditions. Governor Kathy Hochul is urging New Yorkers to remain prepared as this large storm system is expected to cause power outages throughout much of the state and create difficult travel conditions in some locations during the morning commute. Due to the severity of the winter storm, PennDOT has temporarily reduced the speed limit on several roadways in the region. Pandapo is urging motorists to avoid unnecessary travel, but those who must head out will see speeds reduced to 45 miles per hour on portions of Interstate 81, 84, and 380. A resident of a Binghamton home died as a result of a fast-moving late-night fire that also injured a city firefighter. Authorities said the blaze at 74 Colfax Avenue in the First Ward was reported around 11.30 p.m. on Friday. Several people called 911 after the fire broke out in the single-family house. The first police officers in the scene reported flames were shooting from the front of the structure. By the time firefighters arrived, the blaze had spread to a neighboring house at 74 Colfax Avenue. It also was engulfed in a pickup truck that was parked between the two homes. A second alarm was called minutes later as people at the scene advised firefighters' residents were trapped inside 72 Colfax Avenue. Firefighters found one person on the first floor near the rear of the house. Paramedics provided initial treatment at the scene before the person was taken by ambulance to Wilson Hospital. The person whose name was not released by the fire department was pronounced dead. A firefighter fell over five feet while working to battle the blaze The firefighter, who was not identified, was transported to Wilson for treatment. No congestion report was released. The blaze is being investigated by the Binghamton police and fire departments. An abandoned electricity and steam generating facility in Binghamton's first ward could be repurposed in the future. The cogeneration plant at 22 Charles Street was built by Anatech Image Corporation to provide power for its massive manufacturing complex. Natural gas was the primary fuel it used, although it sometimes was powered by oil that was stored at the site. A California-based company acquired the facility in 2012 to generate power only at times of peak demand. Wellhead Electric pulled the plug on the plant after losing millions of dollars on the venture. The city of Binghamton took possession of the property when Wellhead donated it after removing the usable generating equipment from the building. Mayor Jared Graham told WNBF News that because of new state regulations, the complex could never again be used as a natural gas field generating plant. Graham said the city has obtained a grant through the State Energy Research and Development Authority to study potential reuse of the site. New York State environmental teams are continuing to monitor and treat contaminated groundwater at an abandoned industrial site near the former IBM Manufacturing Complex. Employees of the Department of Environmental Conservation have been working at the old Endicott Forging and Manufacturing Company property in recent days. The site is located at North Street and Hayes Avenue just east of the Huron campus. The century-old business shut down after a raging fire in February 2000. Endicott Forging went bankrupt after the devastating blaze. The fire-wrecked facility was demolished nearly nine years later. According to the DEC, records indicate there were many petroleum spills at the site during the year Endicott Forging operated there. At one point, more than 115,000 gallons of oil was stored in the property. The state agency began investigating the site in 2003. Petroleum-contaminated soil was removed from the property as part of the pollution investigation. Groundwater monitoring wells were installed in an effort to determine the extent of the contamination. Recovery wells were put in to contain and clean up oil in the groundwater. Those wells in the treatment system remain active. Two years ago, DEC hired an engineering company to conduct further studies to determine whether more action was needed to deal with the tainted site. That investigation revealed the oil-contaminated soil remains between 6 and 18 feet below the ground surface. These studies determined the oil apparently is naturally degrading. DEC sampling from off-site monitoring wells over the past year indicate the spilled oil is not migrating off the Endicott forging property. And a man arrested for firing gunshots outside a Jewish temple in upstate New York and been federally charged. An FBI spokesperson said Mufid Fawaz Al-Qadar has been charged with possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. Officials say he fired two shots inside a synagogue in Albany on Thursday. The episode in New York's capital happened on the first night of Hanukkah amid rising fears of anti-Semitism worldwide and fallout from Israel's intensifying war in Gaza. Albany Police Chief Eric Hawkins said the man suspected of firing gunshots said free Palestine when officers arrested him. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
1: From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet.
3: This is Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF. Coming up later this hour on Binghamton Now, we'll be taking more of your phone calls. So if you have things you'd like to talk about, be prepared. We'll let you know when it's time to call and discuss the issues important to you. Now we're going to talk about open government in New York. We're joined by Paul Wolf, is uh the president of the New York Coalition for Open Government, who joins us now from Amherst. Good morning. Good morning. The New York Coalition for Open Government. Wow, I I like the concept. I I've lived in New York all my life and I I have to admit a lot of times I I have seen uh, all levels of government do just the opposite. It seems like government, if left to its own devices, would keep everything secret.
4: It is a continuing problem, and uh, I think there is a need for our group, and our group is continuing to grow. We're a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that advocates for transparency in government. And we are busy frequently addressing these issues.
3: It seems simple enough. I'm looking at the website, the statement of purpose. Government exists to serve its citizens, so access to public information should be simple. I think that's simple enough. And you would think, whether it's local governments or state governments, various offices or the executive chamber or the legislature, whatever, or even the federal government, you would think these people would understand that we pay our hard-earned taxes for them to work on our behalf, and then unless there are extenuating circumstances, almost everything they do ought to be available to the people they work for.
8: Absolutely.
4: We agree with you 100%. Unfortunately, there seems to be a culture of secrecy in government. And it's pretty amazing that it is at all levels. Um, I don't know what happens to people when they get into uh, elected office, but uh, people are frequently thin-skinned and don't like criticism, so there's this resistance to provide information. And, um, you know, the law requires that we all have a right to access this information.
3: It's human nature not to like criticism. That part I understand. But I also believe that if anybody chooses to go into government, whether it's for an elective office or if they're serving on commissions or committees or city councils or whatever, if you go into government, you should go in with your eyes wide open and understand that because of the nature of the work and because it's so important to the people that of course you're going to be subject to review and perhaps occasional criticism. I'm surprised that people get upset when citizens offer their perspective. Sometimes it's positive, but frequently it is negative because everybody typically has their own idea about how things should be done. Yeah, that's that's true.
4: It seems to be that, uh, you know, when people get in office, they, you know, they want to stay in office. They seem to like it and they do their best to uh, tamp down any criticism or access to information that will get in the way uh, to their reelection. So it's a constant battle. Uh, we have, you know, laws in New York, but a big problem is the laws just aren't really enforced other than you filing your own lawsuit, which is not an easy thing to do.
3: The word transparency seems to be bandied about a lot of times by elected officials and others in government. And typically, when I hear somebody in government use the word transparency, um, I get worried because it, to me... Just based on years of experience as a journalist, that means there's something they're going to try to conceal. It may be a lot of things, even though they talk about uh, being transparent, sometimes running the most transparent government in the history of the world. Uh, Based on my experience over the years, sometimes it turns out to be the exact opposite.
4: Well, you have a good reason to be nervous, and I share that as well. It seems time after time. You know, elected officials promise they're going to run the most transparent administration ever. And the words just aren't backed up by the deeds. Um, so there one of the problems is there's no one really monitoring compliance with the law. Uh, our group is really the only group that I know of that will check and do reports. We'll check to see are people posting meeting documents online as required by law. You know, we'll send out FOIL requests, Freedom of Information Law requests, and track whether they're responding as required by law. And there's no other entity uh, doing this. There's no consequences for uh, not complying with the law other than maybe an embarrassing news article for a day. Um, so it is a continuing battle, uh, but we are shining lights on uh, issues all across the state.
3: Even at, at some public meetings, whether it's in the Binghamton area or elsewhere in New York State, sometimes you get the impression from the people running the meeting that they view uh, citizens and sometimes even journalists as annoyances, not some, something that is part of the, the process of governing and informing people. Uh, sometimes it seems like they go out of their way to make the average citizen – in some cases, reporters, especially younger reporters who may not know uh, their rights at a, what is supposed to be an open government meeting, they, they try to um, just make things seem so uncomfortable and even at times abusive.
4: It's true. I am shocked at how unfriendly uh, many elected officials are, how often emails that I send are ignored or when we go to speak at meetings, the disdain that we're treated with frequently, it really is a problem. There just seems to be this arrogance amongst uh, those in elected office, uh, even at the lowest levels. Um, I don't know, it's really, uh, I i have experienced all those things that you just described and many others in our group have as well.
3: So what's the solution? What? What can the average New Yorker do to convince or cajole those in positions of power of showing more respect for the people they're working for? Is there any hope?
4: I think there is hope. I think we have to work together. Um, I think the power of social media, uh, you know, sharing things on Facebook and Twitter, which is, you know, how you, I believe, learned about our organization, all those things I think help make a difference. People need to understand that they are not alone in feeling this way or not alone in their interest for open government. There are like-minded individuals out there. Um, uh, and by joining forces, I encourage people to check out our website, which is nyopengov.org, and get on our email list and be a part of the uh, a joint effort to change things.
3: With the um, system that's in place in New York and some other states where citizens and journalists are able to file requests, freedom of information requests, Sometimes, depending on the nature of the request, um, there'll be a quick response. And sometimes, if it's fairly simple, the information will be forthcoming quickly. And sometimes it's just the exact opposite. I'm familiar with people who've been reporting in New York State and have put in a number of freedom of information requests over the years. And there always seems to be some reason either to slow walk the handling of, of these requests, or eventually when some information is released, all the, virtually all the information that is potentially the most relevant has been redacted. So you might wind up with a big pile of papers with, uh, a lot of black spots and, and very little information to go on.
4: That happens far too often. I've certainly experienced that in my own, uh, foil requests and I'm aware of many others who have encountered this. Uh One of the things we're working on is changing the laws in New York. The law, people think, you know, New York is the leader in so many things. Well, they're certainly not the leader in open government. And there are many states that have stronger and better laws than we have in New York. So one of the things that we're working on is Uh, reforming our laws. We have a couple bills that have been introduced in the state legislature recently, and we're going to be certainly lobbying and putting pressure on them to uh, get those laws passed. We need stronger laws, we need better enforcement of the law, and we need penalties for those that violate the law.
6: So.
3: Our guest is Paul Wolf, president of the New York Coalition for Open Government. One thing we saw during COVID is government entities were able to figure out how to live stream many of their meetings when public attendance was not allowed. wasn't um, technically, it wasn't necessarily a, a great solution, but at least people were able to see a lot of meetings in progress via Zoom or other platforms. Now that we've emerged from COVID, it seems that uh, a lot of government entities don't want to have much to do at all with streaming their meetings. They schedule their meetings sometimes at, um, say, at, oh during the afternoon or at times that are really inconvenient for the average constituent. It almost seems as though they're trying to take every step possible to uh, ensure that as, as few people people as possible see what what they're up to they won't they won't live stream meetings they won't archive meetings they uh, are very slow at posting sometimes posting agendas and even sometimes posting the minutes of meetings it it seems almost like um, a conspiracy to withhold information that ought to belong to the people
4: You make some great points there. And, you know, one of the best things, there weren't many good things that happened during COVID, but one of the best things that did happen was government meetings being live-streamed. And it was really interesting to see how many people watched those meetings. Uh, The statistics showed that people do care about what's happening in their community. But if you make it easy for them to uh, observe and participate, They are interested. People, as you say, can't go to a meeting, you know, at 2 o'clock in the middle of the day or even in the evening sometimes with work and family commitments. And government officials show that it's not that hard to uh, live stream a meeting and make a, a recording and post it online. And that's something that should be mandatory. It's not mandatory in New York. It is in a couple other states. And that's one of the pieces of legislation that we're working to get passed. is um, it should be mandatory that all meetings be live streamed and posted online for people to see what's happening in their community.
3: One of the things that puzzles me when I look at what some governments do, some in New York State and some elsewhere in the U.S. as far as doing very nice work at uh, streaming meetings and archiving meetings and making a lot of critical information easily accessible. Seems to me that the technology exists, and in many of these cases, that uh, it's not that expensive. But some of the people around here insist, well, maybe it would cost too much, or maybe we just can't figure it out. And I often wonder when I hear that excuse, maybe that would be true, say, if it was 20 years ago. But there have been great strides in terms of overall software and, and ways of doing these things, whether it's YouTube or using other platforms, that the actual cost involved and the equipment is, is really not that expensive and not that difficult for people to learn how to use.
4: I agree with you. We are aware of uh, local governments, a population of 500 people that are live streaming their meetings. Somehow, you know, with not a huge budget, they have figured out how to do it. It's not as hard as some government officials make it out to be, nor is it as expensive. I've seen meetings effectively live streamed with just an iPad and an iPhone, and uh, it works. It can be done. It's not as hard as they make it out to be. It's just a matter of whether you have the desire to do it or not.
3: As you know, right now, um, and I think across New York government, it's sort of uh, almost a given, whether it's state government or local governments, uh, there's a de facto gag order on employees. People are afraid, typically, to talk to reporters. It didn't it used to be this way. It used to be with local officials or department heads or even with state agencies. You could call a regional representative And they would pick up the phone and they would answer your questions without fear of retribution, without fear of losing their jobs. Well, right now, that situation has changed completely. It seems that uh, unless something is approved by the top level person in a government, whether it's a mayor or a county executive or the governor, that people are really afraid to ever be caught speaking with reporters. What do you think about that?
4: That is something that I have seen that has gotten worse over the past few years and it's even gotten to elected officials, which is amazing to me. Many school boards have a policy that only the school board president can speak on behalf of the school board to the media, which to me is ludicrous. You get elected to a public office, you have a right to speak. You have a First Amendment right to speak. And School boards and others are even going so far as to try to impose gag orders on elected officials. I've seen, uh, you know, elected officials signing non disclosure agreements up in Buffalo when they were negotiating the billion dollars for a bill stadium. Um, They made elected officials sign a a non disclosure agreement that they would not disclose information which was provided to them, which is this insane to me that you as an elected official would agree to that or sign that you have every right to speak so it is a continuing battle and it's something that we just have to keep drawing attention to and hopefully you know embarrassing people into doing the right thing and sometimes suing people to do the right thing
3: if people want more information about the new york coalition for open government or if they'd like to get involved what can they do
4: I appreciate that. You can go to our website at uh, NY for New York, OpenGov, just short for government, nyopengov.org, and uh, you can get on our email list, send an email uh, to me as the president, and we're always available to help give opinions to uh, reporters or members of the public. We get contacted frequently saying, hey, this is what happened at a meeting. What do you think? Is this legal or not? So we're always happy to help any way that we can, and we welcome uh, new people to join us.
3: Paul Wolf, president of the New York Coalition for Open Government. Thanks for being with us this morning on WNBF.
4: Thanks for inviting me.
3: It's 11:28. We're here to give you the information you need. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now on WNBF and WNBF.com. Thirty-two at WNBF. Let's take calls. Airport Road, Bob, in the town of Maine. Good morning.
9: Hey, good morning, Bob. And I know you're a stickler for um, details. So I just heard. How do you spell it? Paul Wolf. W O L F E. No E. Just oh, W W O L F. Um. And by the way, that's a great song to lead into. I'm an old hippie. Um. It was a great conversation, um, and that's why I appreciate your show. Um, You bring out people to help explain what's going on and give people like myself who are fighting this uh, IDA project um, another outlet to investigate and to follow up with. Um, Great, great segment. And, of course, uh, your history segment is always great. I just wanted to know how to spell it. That are they a legit uh, organization?
3: I think so. And uh, take a look for more information, as he said, the website, nyopengov.org. Uh, there's a lot of information on the website. They've been around for a while. Uh, take a look at some of the news stories that uh, pop up and some of the opinion pieces that Paul Wolf has uh, done you'll see some interesting things he's written online and who knows maybe we'll have him on again soon because i think uh, much of what he said is of interest to our listeners who've had trouble with government agencies around here whether it's um, town boards or city councils or uh, ida's or whatever uh not Understanding or appearing not to understand that they do work for us. They work for us. I mean, they also have missions of their own, too, you know, and doesn't mean that their missions aren't appropriate. But in the end, if you're part of a government agency, you're working for taxpayers. And so I think everybody uh, who is a taxpayer ought to be treated with respect and provided with information that, that they seek, unless, unless there's a, uh, there are some legal and legitimate reasons to withhold some information. But it seems to me too many government officials have the default position that no information is to be released or information that used to always be easily accessible with a simple phone call. The only way they're going to give it to you now is if you foil it. And that's not, that wasn't the point of the freedom of information law. The FOIL law and open meetings law, uh, they weren't designed to make life more difficult for people and reporters. They were designed to help things move more smoothly. But sometimes the people in government are, in my opinion, uh, using or misusing these laws to try to regulate or slow walk information
8: and that's not what they ought to be doing.
9: Correct. And I, Bob, you know, I've spent the last year on this project hundreds of hours, talked to hundreds of people, I've gone to all kinds of meetings, and I've met the same type of issues that Mr. Wolf talked about on the radio. I have FOIL requests, denying any information available, um, no no transparency, there's no site plans, there's no information, there's no environmental reviews there's nothing nothing and this project is three years old um so there's something wrong here someplace and just trying to get people motivated to follow through um i'm gonna follow through with this the one thing i did uh, see that maybe you're interested if you want i can send it to your email as always um the Ida in saratoga springs um just lost an appellate court ruling that they are not under any regulations or rules for transparency um with town boards or residents they just lost that uh ruling in an appellate court um they're they're um what's the word they're they're accused of not being transparent and straightforward with projects that they're doing in the saratoga springs um area and that's the same problem we're having here there's no no transparency or anything
3: well see, love to, love secrecy sh- secrecy is a terrible thing. It's, love your show, Bob. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, keeping secrets, sometimes sometimes you do have to keep secrets. And by the way, if people give me information that's off the record, I can keep a secret. And I do. If it's off the record, it's off the record. I get it. Some things of necessity are off the record for the the time being. Some things are not reportable yet, but a lot of things, including a lot of just basic information, should routinely be released. It shouldn't be like pulling teeth. This era, here we are, 2023, with websites, some governments, and you can do checking around the Internet. Look at how some governments have their websites set up. They're designed to provide ease of information and trying to keep constituents in the loop. And then some, including many around here, appear designed to do the exact opposite. Glenn Investel, you're on the air. Hey
11: Bob. How are you doing today? Good. So I was just wanting to thank you for... Uh, Having Mr. Wolf on, I thought that segment was great. It taught me a lot. And since I'll be starting my term as town councilman in Vestal soon, we ran out of a platform of transparency. And we've got a lot of work to do to make town government more transparent. And the incoming supervisor, Maria Sexton, has already spoken to the IT group for the town. And they say, yes, we can do that. It won't be that expensive. We've got some good ideas on how to do it. So I would all, again, say to our community, at least in Vestal, watch our government change over the next couple of months to show how a transparent government really can become something that a local group can do. It doesn't really matter the size of the town or the city. This is something that, like you said before, the technology is there. It's not that hard. It just... It takes people who want to be transparent, and people who are in government who do understand that government officials work for the taxpayers and the residents. It's not the other way around. We are their employees. They're not our our uh, sheep or anything to lead around. We work for them.
3: All right. Well, I'll be watching. Good. Good. I hope you do. And then. I'll uh,
11: be sure to call in a
3: couple of times as well as we make changes. To All right. Well, and, well, your, and, and of course, we, you know, we certainly would welcome the town supervisor to come on. She knows where the studio is. And so going forward, you know, the new town supervisor is welcome to come on. I, I've said that about elected officials. You don't have to necessarily wait for a formal invitation. If you want to keep constituents informed, we're here for you. I'm surprised that I am not getting requests every week or even every day from elected officials to be on the program so they have an idea or an opportunity to provide factual information in a, a setting that exists nowhere else. You would think this is one of those rare local talk shows that still exist in america today you would think that they'd take advantage of the opportunity while it exists
11: i agree i appreciate you saying that because i'm pretty sure we will take advantage of the opportunity and i'll let Biz know about it
3: thanks hope you have a great day you too bye-bye 1141 bob joseph we deal in information we deal in the facts And yes, when appropriate, we will ask a few questions. That's our mission. That's our goal, to get the information that you're not likely to get elsewhere in a timely manner. 607-772-1290. What's on your mind on this Monday morning? We're here for you. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. 11.45, Bob Joseph, doing the work that people insist I do by conducting a daily talk program in Binghamton. 607-772-1290. Matt in Binghamton, good morning, you're on the air. Hey,
10: Bob. I thought I was going to call back about that story that um, my friend there was trying to convince people that $5,000 gift cards, well the story was gift cards were being given out to illegal immigrants crossing the border and airplane tickets and all this stuff. Well actually it was Sheriff Mark Lamb um from Count it's P I N A L County um Arizona who started that story. Uh, he's known as the QAnon sheriff of of Arizona. He's running against Kerry Lake for Senate in the primary and somebody else I think to try to become uh Senator out there. Uh, he posted this on Twitter now X and um, it's just once the story was picked up a few days ago, people looked into it. Um, uh, they basically us customs and border patrol said, no such program exists. Um, this guy was, uh, Born and I think spent a lot of time in Hawaii, in the Philippines. Met Mark Lamb till he moved to Arizona. He had a failed paintball business. Uh, was in pest control and then somehow became sheriff. Uh, got into law enforcement and then became
3: sheriff. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I just uh, punched up his his video here. So now I haven't listened to it. Have you seen his video? Yes. Okay. And, does and he it, say Does he say any bad words in it? Do you uh, I think, I don't think so, no. Well, let me just play. I'll keep my finger crossed that he doesn't say any bad words. So this is the the sheriff you referenced and something he posted online about those gift cards, he says, for breaking the law. So at least I'll, I'll listen to a bit of this. This is the uh, sheriff, Mark Lamb, from Arizona. I'll just listen at least to the beginning to get the gist of what what he claims here.
11: We have our government giving people that came into this country illegally $5,000 gift cards. Hey, folks, Sheriff Lamb here. So I got a truth
3: bomb for you.
11: You know, we see all these people coming across, mostly military-age men coming from China.
3: From all right, Africa, so this is apparently a world. campaign commercial well, he recorded. They're not
11: even being vetted so when they come in here. See what but he here's what's said. really going to bother you. When these folks come across and they're processed... They're being given a cell phone, a plane ticket to wherever they want to go in this country, so probably to a community near you, and a $5,000 Visa card.
3: All right, so that's what he says. But you're yeah, right. But like people said, people who've it checked two- it out have, have said that it sounds, sounds like uh, a, a complete fabrication.
10: Well, the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol said no such program exists. Once they were confronted with, and Newsweek reported that after they checked out this guy's story, um, you know, also they talked about he talked about cell phones being given out. Turns out they do give cell phones. It's a preloaded software called SmartLink. It can't be used to access the internet. Its, it's purpose is to track because uh, once people come in legally and they're released into our country while they're waiting a hearing. Uh, they have to be tracked. And so the purpose of this phone, SmartLink, is purely for tracking the immigrants and making sure they can keep track of where they are. Um, no unauthorized calls or text messages are allowed on these phones. So, you know, when you get down to the real facts of a case, and, and even even that guy, I forget what his name is that called, he was saying, H- hypothetically, wouldn't you think, well, it, it does a disservice when to the public when you are making hypotheticals of such outrageous things that you know are going to incite people that are already upset by all the lies that are told about what's happening at the border. Yeah, we have border problems, but let's not forget who, co- who caused those border problems. Um, well, that's, that's a long story, but there was a whole group of six, uh, three uh, Republicans and three Democrats that had a very good plan back when Jeff Sessions was in uh, a Senator before he became attorney general and little fear monger, uh, Steven Miller was working for Jeff Sessions and convinced him to let him go around and kill that bill. They, there's nobody in the Republican party that cares about border reform. They, and except for Donald Trump was going to become a dictator for a day. Uh, Just imagine what he's going to be able to, what he couldn't accomplish in four years. Why does
3: he want to be a dictator for only one day? I mean, he's going to have to be, he's
10: going to be another uh, complete lie, because he's going to say, I want to, his two reasons he's given after that, when he made that statement, then he gave reasons, was a a wall, he wants a wall or border control, and he, um, what was the second one? Uh, Oh, drill, baby, drill. Well, we already know we drill more. We're producing more oil and gas than any time in our history, right now. And the other one is he can't. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. He made only built uh, you know twenty something miles of wall before. He's not going to be able to accomplish it in one day. So that's going to give him the reason why he can continue to act like a dictator. He's just if you haven't learned by now that anything that comes out of his mouth is not the truth then you don't really know or you're not being honest to yourself about who Donald Trump is. He didn't do anything he's ever promised to do. Uh, and he's, you know, he just, he just doesn't tell the truth. And so that's why he's in so much hot water. And that's why, you know, who knows what's going to happen. He, he could certainly with the way people don't pay attention in our country and are have Donald Trump key. But think Joe Biden's too old. And if those are the two candidates, he could win. And we're going to be in big, big trouble if he wins, because he's going to dismantle. He's already told us what he's going to do. The saying now is, if somebody tells you over and over who they are, believe them. And he's been telling us from the day he came down the escalator who he was, what he was going to do, and everything, you know. And nobody, you know, oh, he's just, he's made, it's hyperbole. It's this and that. No, he tells the truth of what he's going to try to do, tries to do it, doesn't usually succeed. But he is now going to surround himself with people who are completely, uh, I want, you know, I want to mark um, the guy who just quit the former Speaker of the House, what he's going to play. And he's not saying what he's going to do, but he did give an interview this weekend and said he was going to, Steer, try to steer Donald Trump and and not not saying things about being a dictator and stuff. So he's trying to get in and he, he, he didn't rule out wanting to be a cabinet member. Anybody who's working for Donald Trump's second term is going to be doing exactly what he says to do. Before, there was a firewall of people who knew he was crazy and knew he couldn't get away with it. But if everybody he hires or puts in positions... Um, in the you know Department of Justice and everything, pardons everybody, all the uh, January 6 people. We're going to have a country full of people who are going to be given marching orders by Donald Trump, who will tell them what to do, and they'll do it.
3: Well, yeah, buckle up then, because it's going to be interesting. Unfortunately, that's probably what's going to happen. But at least people are aware it's going to happen, so they can plan accordingly. Appreciate your call. Okay, thanks. Eleven fifty-three at WNBF. Yeah, whatever happens, we're going to cover it as long as the government allows us on the air. If if he takes over, and on January twentieth, twenty twenty-five, if he's in office again and he's being a dictator on the first day, who knows? Maybe he'll shut down radio programs he doesn't like on day one. Hope he doesn't. But if he's going to be a dictator on day one, I would be concerned. Tommy from Binghamton writes about uh, public service data, government information. Listeners should be informed that technology is readily available, which can be used to make service production and distribution data accessible to the general public without compromising the process, including security. There is software. He says the city of Binghamton is in possession of this tool. Taxpayers need to demand transparency in an era when public records are being produced, stored, and distributed digitally. To do anything less is to shortchange democracy. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see every local government and New York state government and Pennsylvania government turn over. Hold on. No, hold on. That's an email from the DOJ. Hold on a second. Oh yeah, some guy pleaded guilty To defrauding a loan program Meant for businesses struggling After the uh, pandemic Guy stole money From the PPP program $164,000 Anyway, getting back to the point that um, That Tommy was making Yeah, use the software that exists Your software make this information routinely available. That should be the defaults. All government information for all departments routinely ought to be available and accessible on a timely basis unless there's a very good reason for it to be withheld. There are, in some cases, legal and legitimate reasons to withhold information. But otherwise, the assumption should be, or presumption should be, it's public, it's public information. Government is us, we the people. So put it on your website. Make that a New Year's resolution. Government at all levels. Start working for the people instead of working against the people. I'm Bob Joseph. Sounds good to me. I'll be back tomorrow morning with another episode right here on News Radio WNBF.
1: This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.